Hey everyone, welcome back to the Day in the Life of Podcast. It's Eve and Peyton, and we're so excited for today's episode. We're really going to be like talking about the Easter story and what all goes into it, and like just the depths of why Jesus' resurrection was so important. Yeah, we're so excited because you know it's a overwhelming it's a hard topic because you want to get it right i mean you want to get everything right but this one is just it's jesus's story like it's the ending that's Mm -hmm. just so important and so magical and it's why we do what we do is because you know we love jesus and he saved us and we still have hope yeah and i think it's like super important like if you've never like actually read like the story of easter it's really cool to see like what Put the timeline together mm-hmm. and it's really cool to see like what actually happened and like put yourself like in the disciples perspective like we were reading over it and I'm like I'm sitting here like thinking if I was one of the disciples like I'd be sitting there all like in shock and like have no idea what to do. Yeah so we wanted to incorporate a little bit of fear and kind of most people talk about Jesus and they just talk about oh he died for our sins and mm-hmm. like we're washed away but we kind of took it from the perspective of wanting to see the fear and like what led up to this mm-hmm. is like the disciple one Judas handing him over and we just kind of wanted to dive in on fear and confusion and maybe what the disciples were feeling during yeah. this time that led up to this. I just think that you know the Easter story in general has a lot of fear in it. Like especially for the disciples and even Jesus wasn't he wasn't fearful, but he he did pray multiple multiple times and ask God if it was actually his will for him to die. And so I think it's just super important that we just kind of like dive into each scripture and just kind of like walk through it. Yeah, even now I feel like growing up, like I did not enjoy going to church on Easter because mm-hmm. they would talk about it and it was scary because it's so brutal yeah. and terrible. Like that is the worst possible way. Yeah, Like that was the cruelest way for somebody to die. And, you know, we grow up listening to it on Easter. And so a part of me thinks that we're kind of desensitized to it yeah. because we hear about it all the time. But then when you actually think about it, it's like, man, that's so awful. Yeah, we definitely are desensitized to it. Like, we really don't understand what goes all into, like, the crucifixion. Like, last year we did, me and my mom and grandmother did a study on, like, the actual crucifixion of Jesus and, like, what he took on. Like, he actually took on each one of our sins and he felt every single one of them while he was on the cross. Like, it's so much more deep than we make it out to be mm-hmm. like it's we think of it very service level like oh he rode in on the donkey he had the last supper with his disciples and then he died on the cross and then rose from the dead but like it was so much more than just that like he felt pain he endured suffering like all for us yeah um with that being said and him riding in during passover i was listening to a sermon and it was correlating how when the people would pick their lambs during Passover time that they would get ready to slaughter was when Jesus was riding in. So that was like God preparing his lamb Mm -hmm. to come in. And it's just God is intentional with every single thing that he does. Yeah. And he does not miss the details and he doesn't leave anything out. Yeah. I think that's really cool because, you know, we always saw how Jesus is the lamb. Mm -hmm. And that's why he died for us. He was literally the sacrifice for each one of our sins. And it's just so important. And so I think that's what we're just going to do is kind of just dive into each of the the stories and then talk about them as we go through. Yeah. So we also wanted to just mention that Jesus was like predicting and telling people mm-hmm. that he was going to die. Like he knew yeah. why he was sent. He knew. Right. And so one of the first 
um, verses that we're starting with. We're starting in Matthew 26, and it says, When Jesus had finished saying all these things, he said to his disciples, As you know, the Passover is two days away, and the Son of Man will be handed over to be crucified. And I just want you guys to imagine what you would be thinking as a disciple, because yeah. you're like, what are you even talking about? Yeah. Like, I've been following you for so long and yeah. you're just, you're going to, you're going to be crucified? What? Yeah. Because they thought that Jesus was going to be their savior, right? Mm-hmm. So they thought that he was going to come in and go off to battle and like fight everybody. Yeah. And that's like what Jewish people were thinking he was going to come and be. They thought that he was just going to be a savior. And he is a savior, but he's not a savior in the way that they were wanting. Mm -hmm. And so people weren't. They didn't, one, they didn't want to believe that that, that Jesus was coming in and telling the chosen people that they needed to lay down and kiss somebody's cheek if they are lying to you. Like, they didn't want to give up those things. They wanted somebody to come in and set them higher. But everything Jesus taught was about putting yourself down lower. Yeah. Yeah. It's really important because, you know, as disciples, like if we were one of the disciples, I don't think we'd understand fully, but that's why we don't really understand God's everything that God does is because God is so high and so powerful. Like we're not ever going to fully understand why he does things. And I think we probably would have been just like the disciples in that point, like not understanding what Jesus was saying and like being confused, like, what? what do you mean you're going to die? Like, We've been with you for three years, and now you're just going to up and leave? Like, what What do you mean? Yeah. And that is something they fully understood. They obviously did not fully understand from what they said in the Bible and what they did throughout the Easter story. Yeah, and it, uh, he alluded to it the second time, just in Matthew 26, when he says, The poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. <laughs> I think it's important that, like, you know the backstory of that, too, is because he was a being anointed by um, a woman from Bethany. She came in with her expensive perfume. It was very expensive. <laughs> and when she poured the oil all over Jesus, uh, they, the disciples were saying, why are you doing that Like to the woman? Like, that's expensive. You could have sold that and given the money to the poor. Which is another confusion. Yes. They were also very confused on all that because they would be like, oh, this is what Jesus would want was, was to, be this, to give this to the poor. Mm-hmm. But they didn't understand. And not only did Jesus say, you will always have poor among you, but you will not always have me. He also said, why would you, um, why would you criticize this woman for doing this to me? Because she's preparing my body for burial. And they still didn't grasp that. Like, they were so confused. Like, what do you mean your body is being prepared for burial? Like, you're still here. And so they just, they just couldn't understand. And I don't think we would ever understand if we were in their position either. But it's really, really cool to like dive in and see like what, what is what they're saying and like what it actually means because there's so much more behind it than just what we've been told our whole lives right and then following that is when judas agrees to betray jesus and it says then one of the 12 the one who called judas iscariot went to the chief priest and asked what are you willing to give me if i deliver him over to you they counted out for him 30 pieces of silver from then on judas watched for an opportunity to hand him over guys I just want to say that everybody's always mad at him. But we betray Jesus every single day. Yeah. Like how many times do people around you say something and you just don't speak up and you don't shut it down or you are like, oh, well, I mean, 
Yeah, all sins are sin, so that's okay, but it's not okay. Yeah. Like, sin is sin and just set the standard and say, like, well, I believe that's a sin. Yeah. You know, you don't have to say, like, oh, I've never sinned because you do. And we don't need to act like sins are different. But if you think about it in a day-to-day context, Judas, like, betrayed Jesus as much as we did because, yes, he handed him over, but Jesus died for our sins. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's really important to remember because we do always like, you know, ask ourselves why and you just did this, but we literally do it every day. Like mm-hmm. we are so quick to, you know, judge others and say, why did you do that? But, you know, we do it ourselves, whether we intentionally or unintentionally do it, we, we, we do sin every day. And I think that's what's so important about like, you know, learning what the word has to say, because you're going to recognize your fault and then want to fix them. Yeah. And I also think that I've always had such a like bad relationship with like thinking about Judas because I'm just like dude you like how are you betraying him when you actually got to see it yeah you know like you saw him do this you saw him walk on water you saw him feed the five thousand like you saw him do all of this stuff but yet you still betrayed him yeah but we already have the whole bible of a million accounts of like the prophecies that were met, they said, someone said that it would be the same, like the coincidence of God prophesying it in the Old Testament. And it actually happening while Jesus was alive is the same as if you put on a blindfold, throw out a silver dollar in Tennessee, yeah, like all of Tennessee, and you tell someone to go pick it up. So we have all of that in a book proving that Jesus is who he says he is and that he is the Messiah and he died for our sins. Mm-hmm. And yet some of us still don't believe it and we don't make it our life's mission to go and spread yeah. the word. Yeah, we literally just sit back and say, oh, well, Jesus will forgive me. But like, that's not how it is. Like, you really have to have a relationship with him and trust that he's got your life because he is the creator and he's so much more than just you know, reading about it or hearing stories about it. Like, he actually did come to save us from our sins. Like, yeah, he actually got on the cross and then rose from the dead. Like, it's real. And if you think about it being real, it makes you want to follow him even more, I mm-hmm. think, personally. It's just so much more personal, you know? Well, and, like, I wouldn't do that for anybody I know. No. So to think that somebody loves you with that much unconditional love mm-hmm. and just, like, for people that he knows are never even going to follow him, like, he still died for them in yeah. case they ever did, you know? Yeah. I think it's important, like going back to Judas, when um, Jesus said that he was going to betray him, he also said in Matthew chapter 26, verse 24, for the son of man must die as as the scriptures declared long ago, but how terrible it will be for the one who betrays him. It would be far better for that man if he had ever been born. So I think what he was kind of like implying here is that he knew that Judas was going to betray him, but he also knew that Judas was going to feel so much guilt he was going to, he was going to kill himself because like he knew how terrible that feeling was going to be. And so that's why he was saying like, it would be better off when he was there even more, you know, like he was going to kill himself over Jesus. Yeah. And so he was just left with that guilt. And I think that we do that to ourselves sometimes too. Like when we commit a sin, we automatically have that guilt and frustration with ourselves. And like, how can God ever forgive me? And that right. Oh, he will always forgive you. Yes. But like, that's why he doesn't want you to sin in the first place is so you don't have that guilt and shame. Well, 
was it during this when Jesus washed everyone's feet? I'm pretty sure. Because I just think that that's crazy that he knew Judas was going to betray him. Mm-hmm. And he still washed his feet. Yeah. He still ate with them and still broke bread with him. And he knew that one of them was going to betray him. Yeah. And I think it's also important that this is after that Judas had already betrayed him. And Matthew was. Yeah. The timeline says that it was after. Oh. So not only did Judas betray him, but Peter, like, denies him. I was going to say denounces him, but yeah. <laughs> he denies him. Um, and again, Jesus called it. Then Jesus told him this very night, you will all fall away on account of me for it is written. I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. Mm -hmm. So he knew that they were all going to depart because they were scared. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I never fully understood like why the disciples weren't there whenever he was being crucified. Yeah. They were scared. That's insane. Yeah, because it says that, you know, Jesus tells Peter that he will deny him three times before the rooster froze. And Peter's like, no, I would never do that, Lord. Like, I would never betray you. And then he dies. But it's all out of fear. And I think that's like kind of shows us as people sometimes we do things. We don't do things or or we do or we don't do things out of fear. Yeah. And like fear like controls our life, whether we know what's right or wrong. Fear controls us. And it stops us from doing what we're our full potential or what we're supposed to be doing in the first place. And I think that fear goes hand in hand kind of with anxiety. Like I feel like a lot of times people say, I have really bad anxiety, but it's it's fear. Like you're fearful of what's about to happen. And God has been working on that really hard in my life this week. Yeah. And I didn't really notice it because I just I've had so much stuff go wrong or like I was late and y'all I came out of the womb two weeks early. Like, I've never been late to anything for a month, like, ever. And I was late to something yesterday, and it wasn't even like I left late. Mm-hmm. I just was going, mm-hmm. was sent to the wrong building at a different place 15 minutes down the road from where I was supposed to be. So I was already late to get to the place that was the wrong place. And I was just freaking out and i was like god why you can control this why are you letting this happen if you can control it like seriously what is going on yeah and um it brings me to another point like i was listening today and i heard i watched the chosen where um peter simon peter is walking on water and somebody was like talking and explaining how they were seeing the chosen so it was i was watching people watch the chosen yeah and they were like um what happened was he he started to fall because he took his eyes off of jesus and he started to look at the storm around him yeah this was like whenever they saw jesus walking on water and they were on the boat and there was a huge storm going on and so they see jesus walking and simon peter's like if that's you then Tell me to come and I'll come. And so he steps off the boat and he's standing there and then he and he just goes under. And it's like you already saw that Jesus is standing there. Yeah. Right. You stepped off of the boat and you were standing and you were fine. Mm-hmm. So what happened? Yeah. And it's like 
you took your eyes away for a split second and you're looking at everything that was going on around you. So it took you away from what God was doing in your life and just focusing on him and being like, he's got me, he's got me. And then I went to the comments section and I saw something that was even better because it said that Peter wasn't scared that Jesus couldn't do it. He was scared that he wouldn't. Yeah. And so we don't doubt God's capabilities because we call on him every time we need him. We're like, God, help me, help me, help me. And so it's not even that we have little faith that he can do it. It's that we have little faith that he will do it because we're like, who are we? You know, I think that all the time. I'm like, who am I that he's just sitting around listening, like listening right now to answer my prayer? Yeah. You know, I do that a lot. I think I've been struggling. Like fear has been a really big topic in my life in the past few weeks. I don't know. But any of y'all live in the South right now, but we have um, tornadoes about every week, it seems like nowadays. And <laughs> the I, second it gets warm, it's like super cold through the weekend, like the week. And then Friday, it gets warm. And then like, <laughs> it's like just tornado. I feel like we're in Tornado Alley. We don't even live in Kansas. But <laughs> I have been so petrified of storms, like, for forever i don't know why i was in not in a tornado a tornado went by my house last year and and i've been like really petrified since then and so we've had all these storms and i've just been like so full of fear and anxiety and i like i've been praying to him praying to him like for it to go and nothing to happen and of course nothing has happened yet like i've prayed over i feel like my house my mom's house my tanner's house like a bajillion times this week and last and i'm like please protect us all lord and then you know he does but i think like what you said like we're worried sometimes that he won't do it or he will do it Mm -hmm. and it's not necessarily like we don't think that he's not capable of you know changing the storm and changing it in a different direction we just don't know what he's trying to teach us if that makes sense so like we can always call to god but like we just don't ever know the answer and i think that's what most of us have fear about Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like, because it's also like the number one question that we get asked as Christians. And we got asked it the other day and it was like, okay, but what if Tommy has cancer and somebody's like, oh, it's just in God's plan. Every single person is not going to be healed just because somebody prays about it, you know? And so you don't know if he will do it, but you know he can. So just keep holding on to the fact that he can and, and that whatever he is going to do if he can do the like he is almighty and so whatever happens is going to be the best that could have happened right you know and i think that goes back to you know our easter story even you know jesus he prayed three times and asking if this was god's will for him to die and like that just shows us that it shows that jesus was fully human but he was also fully god like he wanted god's will but like in the end he was filled with sorrow because he he did want to stay with it. I feel like part of him did want to stay with the disciples. And like part of him was like. And they were his friends. And he knows that they're going to betray him. The exact verse says. And he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to a point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Mm-hmm. Could you imagine if your best friend was handing you over tomorrow to be crucified for 30 pieces of silver? Yeah. Awful. It is awful. It's terrible. But, you know, it was, it's all gone. It's all a part of God's plan. And he had a way bigger picture in mind. And we, we always lose sight of that. We always lose sight of that as humans. Like we want what we think is best for us right now, but we have no idea what God has in store for us in the future. 
Like if he has a no and he's telling you, no, this is not what you're supposed to be doing, he's going to have something that's so much better and it's going to make you have, it's going to make your story even better. It's going to make you stronger in the end. Yeah. And I think that's what's so cool about, you know, Jesus's story. Like even though he wasn't, he didn't want to, not that he didn't want to, you know, save us from our sins. He just, I think he, part of him wished that there was a different way almost. Is what well, it, it also, like, it reminds me of like, if somebody's trying to break up with you, like if you find out they're going to break up with you or like there's a few things leading up to them breaking up with you, it doesn't make the breakup less hard mm-hmm. just because you know about it. Like yeah. it, you're still going to feel those emotions and he was human. And so he felt those emotions. Yeah. So it's not just going to make it easier because you knew that it was going to happen. Right. I feel like sometimes we, again, disassociate him being alive and being a human. And like he lived for like 37 years, something like that. Yeah. Like he had a 32. I thought it was 32. Maybe it's 32. I don't know. I can't remember. Well, he has later. a full life and he had things. And it's just whenever we watch The Chosen and you get to actually watch him like go play with people and like play games and stuff like that, it's like, he had a full life that he had and he was here for God and he just like turned it all over to save us because yeah. he knew that we wouldn't get to spend eternity with him because we would never be good enough. Mm-hmm. Literally, he, then his whole life, his whole mission was to, you know, save us from our sins. He is the savior. Mm-hmm. And I think, like you said, or I don't know if you said this earlier, we were talking earlier, but you know, the the Jews thought he was coming to just save them from everything mm-hmm. in the world. What he was actually coming to do is to save us, but from ourselves. Yeah, from mm-hmm. ourselves, from our sin. And just, you know, bring us to heaven with him later on. And I think it's really cool too. I can't remember exactly what, when he says this. It might have been when he was having dinner with the disciples. The disciples, like the disciples still don't understand fully. Like when he was having the long supper, they were still confused. And then... It's like he does communion and it says on Matthew 26, verse 26, as they were eating, Jesus took some bread and blessed it. Then he broke it into pieces saying, take this and eat it, for this is my body. And he took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. He gave it to them and said, each of you drink from it, for this is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. Mark my words, I will not drink wine again until the day I drink it new with you in my father's kingdom. Then they sang a hymn and went out to the Mount of Olives. So I just think it's really important that we know that, like, Jesus knew that was his final meal. And he told them, like, the next time that we eat and drink together, we'll be in my kingdom of heaven. Be celebrating. Mm -hmm. It'll be a celebration when he returns. Side note that kind of has nothing, well, a little bit to do with it. But here's a little fact for you. Um, I just love looking at the symbols because i feel like it proves our point more Mm -hmm. because people think that we're crazy to see symbols and things and to think that there are correlations but this is the sheep and the goat and it says when the son of man comes in his glory and all of the angels with him he will sit on his glorious throne all the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep and the goats he will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left And I'm just going to say, obviously the sheep are the Christians Mm -hmm. because he's the lamb of God. He's Mm -hmm. the son. He's the, he was the the sacrifice. He was the sheep. And I don't think it's a coincidence that the symbol of Satan or like the satanic things is a goat head. Not at all. The goats and the sheep 
Anyway, it's not all. We have symbolism everywhere. And nobody wants to. If you open your eyes to it, you will see Satan in everything because the opposite of God is Satan. And so if there's one, there's the other. And it's just crazy, guys. Open your eyes. Um, But then there, so there's another time in here where Jesus is knowing what's going on as it's happening. And this is when Jesus is arrested in Matthew. I think this is still Matthew 26. And it says, while he was still speaking, Judas, one of the 12, arrived. With him was a large crowd armed with swords and clubs sent from the chief priests and the elders. To the people, now the betrayer had arranged a signal with them. The one I kiss is the man. Arrest him. Going at once to Jesus, Judas said, Greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him. Jesus replied, Do what you came, poor friend. That is crazy. I didn't know I said that. Yeah, I just read it, and I was like, I have to add that. My friend, go ahead and do what you have come for. Ooh, like imagine just sitting there and just taking it all. Like, that's what's so crazy to me. Like, he knew everything. And he still did it for us. I couldn't do it. <laughs> See, and then he also says, put your sword back in its place. Okay, this is coming from Jesus. Just want to clarify that. He says, put your sword back in its place. Jesus said to him, for all who draw the sword will die by the sword. Do you think I cannot call on my father and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? But how then would the scriptures be fulfilled? That say it must happen this way. And he's like, I couldn't do this, but I'm not going to. And so we just want to like tell you guys that it's okay to feel the emotions and it's okay to be like saddened by things because Jesus was sad and he was like, hello, I'm still the son of God. Like you're getting a little too comfortable. Yeah. I could knock you down right now, but I'm not going to because God says no. Yeah. Uh, That's so important that I think we let our, our, bodies take over a lot every time that we feel emotions like like you just said you know jesus felt every emotion of you know the sadness the anger the wanting to be with his friends forever but he didn't take the easy way out by just you know ending it all and staying with them he you know put himself out denied himself and took up the cross to save us from our sins yeah like he did the hard thing he had to do but he knew it was for the greater good yeah and it's for the prophecy. And it says, in that hour, Jesus said to the crowd, am I leading a rebellion that you have to come with me, come out with swords and clubs to capture me? Every day I sit at the temple courts teaching and you did not arrest me, but this has all taken place that the writings of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all of the disciples deserted him and fled. Yep. Just like they said, out of fear. They all ran because they were scared they were going to be associated with him. And I think that's like crazy. You spend three years with somebody and then all of a sudden, like they just up and leave you because of fear. And we do that all the time. We are so fearful. We're the first ones to. I am like so bad about being scared of everything. I make up situations in my head that have not and will not ever happen that I am afraid of. Me too. I'm like, oh, what if I don't have this by then? Like, I am so, I cannot mess up anything. Like, that's my fear. 
is that I just have to be the best at everything. And so I think that's mainly what has been working on me. And it's really hard because I think he's trying to teach me that, which it's, it seems so backwards if you think about it, because it's like, oh, we strive to be perfect, but it's like, I'm not doing it in like a glory for God type of way. I'm doing it in a, like a, I must get everything right at work. I must be here on time. I must be here just because that's like what I feel like I need to do. But if I'm doing everything the way that I'm like supposed to be doing and things aren't working out, I can't be stressed about that because, you know, kind of like Elaney was saying the other day when she was on here, like she had traffic and she needed to go a different way because it saved her from something. Right. Yeah. And so we can't be fearful constantly of messing up and like feel like, oh, man, this is just ruining my whole day because. Think about how much more you can do in that day for the glory of God if you had your mind right, you know, yeah. and you're trying to work just for the glory of God and not just so that you could get everything worldly that you were supposed to check off your box. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine if we like, you know, put ourselves away for a second and actually focus on what he wanted for us, like how much we could achieve. We have so many things that block our vision and we just want to stop and just stay stagnant rather than, you know, being brave enough to push down that wall and push through something and enter what God has for us. Because, you know, we're just, it's out of fear, completely out of fear. I do it all the time. I could, you know, not spread the love of God because I'm scared I'm, I'm going to get embarrassed or mm -hmm. they're going to make fun of me. But I'm literally not pushing past that barrier to get through what God has for me. Yeah. I also just thought of this because I saw blasphemy and I saw the other day in scripture that um, Jesus says, that that's like the only sin that will be forgiven is if you spread blasphemy about the Holy Spirit. He even says like, you can like, don't, not you can say blasphemy about me, but like that will be forgiven. But he says, but blasphemy on the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. So I just, what does that mean? Blasphemy? Like, 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 well, I know what blasphemy, like what does that mean like to the Holy Spirit? Like, is it, I guess like, like if you're specifically talking about the Holy Spirit, like talking to the Holy Spirit or talking about because blasphemy is like if you're spreading like lies or mocking Jesus, like right. if you're saying something bad. So I guess mocking the Holy Spirit is like the only sin that cannot be forgiven. Huh. So like just wanted to throw that out there. <laughs> Don't mock the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Don't mock the Holy Spirit. That's crazy. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's scary to think like, because I feel like everyone lives in this life where we're like, it's looking good me or like everyone jokes about how Catholics just go to confessionals or like, but we do the same thing. We are just supposed to talk to Jesus about it. And it's like, one, we don't do it like we should. We don't go through and list every single sin that we know we did wrong. I feel like we're just like, Lord, forgive me of our sins. Yeah. Like, exactly. Forgive me of what I've done wrong. It's like, that works. But the thing is that you need to like pay attention to what you do so that you can do better next time. Mm -hmm. So... You can't just constantly ask for certain things to be forgiven. Like, yeah. you have to work towards it being forgiven. Right. I like that a lot. I'm going to read this whole thing. Okay. So, did I, you read the one that said, Truly I tell you, Jesus answered, This very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. Mm -hmm. But Peter declared, Even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all of the other disciples said the same. And then this is Matthew 26, 69, and it is Peter disowns Jesus, like Jesus said. 
And it says, now Peter was sitting out in the courtyard and a servant girl came to him. You also were with the Jesus of Galilee, she said, but he denied it before them all. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Then he went out to the gate way there was another servant girl, saw him and said to the people, this fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. He denied it again with an oath. I do not know the man. After a little while, those standing there went out to Peter and said, Surely you are the you are one of them. Your accent gives you away. And he began to call down curses and he swore to them. I don't know the man. Immediately a rooster crowed. And Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken. Before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. That gave me chills because that was just like so perfect. Yeah. That's crazy. It's just crazy how God like works that way. Like he literally has everything planned out in a specific way for things to happen because it fulfilled prophecy. And it's so cool because it, it, it made Peter not only realize like God's capability, it also like kind of shows like how, I guess what I'm trying to say is like it showed Peter like how much we needed Jesus to die for us because we sin so much. Does that make sense? Like we are sinners. And so, even though Peter was saying, no, I won't do that to you, or no, I won't do that to you, he did it. Yeah. And that's why, exactly why Jesus had to die for us, is because we may say we're not going to do something, but in the end, we might. Like, never say never, because you don't know what's gonna, life where life is going to take you. Well, and it reminds me of when we're in church, and we're at our D group, or we're at our small group, and we're giving the church answers, and we're like, oh, what's your favorite thing in the world? And people are like, Jesus. You know, but then you go hang out with your friends and it's like, what's your favorite thing in the world? And it's like, I like rap music. Yeah. So it's like, it's not the same because it's easy to say, oh, Jesus, I would never betray you when he's standing right there and he's winning, you know. But whenever he's on the cross, then they're like, I didn't know him. Yeah. Because they don't want it to be then. Yeah. It's fearful. We do a lot of things out of fear. And it's just really crazy. But it just shows you like. Even the disciples went through it. Like, if they did things out of fear, like, we're just we're human. And we have to work towards becoming fearless. Because we have to give our words to God and trust God that has that God has a plan for us. And it's the best plan. Because he knows what's going to happen later on. So, now that Jesus has been arrested, Jesus goes before Pilate. Meanwhile, Jesus stood before the governor. And the governor asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? You have said so, Jesus replied. When he was accused by the chief priests and the elders, he gave no answer. Then Pilate asked him, Don't you hear the testimony they're bringing against you? But Jesus made no reply, not even a single charge to the great amazement of the governor. Now it was a governor's custom at the festival to release a prisoner chosen by the crowd. At that time, they had well-known prisoners whose name was Jesus, Barabbas. So when the crowd had gathered, Pilate asked them, which one do you want me to release to you, Jesus Barabbas or Jesus, who call, who is called the Messiah? For he knew it was out of self-interest that they had handed Jesus over to him. While Pilate was sitting on the judge's seat, his wife sent him this message. Do not have anything to do with that innocent man, for I have suffered a great deal today in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and the elders pursued, persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and to have Jesus executed. Which of the two do you want me to release to you? Asked the governor. Barabbas, they answered. What shall I do then with Jesus who is called the Messiah? Pilate called. They all answered, crucify him. 
Why? What crime has he committed? asked Pilate. But they shouted all the louder, crucify him. When Pilate saw what was getting that he was getting nowhere, but instead an uproar was starting, he took water and washed his hands in front of the crowd. I am innocent of this man's blood, he said. It is your responsibility. All his people answered, or all the people answered, his blood is on us and our children. Then he released Barabbas to them, and he had Jesus flogged and handed over to be crucified. That's insane. It's just crazy to me, too, that they were, like, yelling, Hosanna. It was Palm Sunday. He came into the town, and they were shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna. You know, this is the Messiah. And then, you know, what was it? Four days later, five days later, they're yelling, crucify him. I think it's just crazy to see, like, how easily deceived as humans mm-hmm. we can get. It's just, like, out of the same way now. Oh, no. Like, think about cancel culture on TikTok or Twitter or anything. Like, we have these celebrities that are just people's idols. And then they make, like, one, like, they say one wrong thing. And Jesus never even said one wrong thing. <laughs> you know, it was just other people didn't like him. Yeah. And so I think that it's crazy that the quote-unquote bad guys of the story, right? Like nobody liked the Romans. Pilate knows that this is so messed up that he's like, I am washing my hands of this and will have no part in you killing an innocent man. Yeah. That is absurd that the Jewish leaders were the one that were so bent on making Jesus. having Jesus die. Like, it's just crazy. Like, People have so much influence, so much influence. Like you can love one person one minute and like you said, hate them the next. And I think that's also important for Christians to know like they hated Jesus, like they're not going to like us either. So yeah, like even though we preach our ministry, it is prophesied in the Bibles that we're going to be prosecuted against and, you know, we're not going to be the popular way to go. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you all can see that now. Everybody sees that now, like the things that we believe are not popular in this generation no. at all whatsoever. And that's not to say that you can't love those people and, you know, be like Jesus in that way where we don't wish any ill will upon those people, but we know the truth. I think a lot too, people try to say that Christians try to censor other people, mm-hmm. but, you know, like I am open to everybody having their own beliefs. I just know that they're wrong. Like, I just know that, like, I completely agree with having separation of church and state from things, right? Mm-hmm. Because, like, we were founded to be able to have separation of church and state. Right. But that is, I believe in the church because Jesus is the savior of this universe. And that's okay if you want to believe in the world. You're not going to get into heaven. You're going to go to hell. But that's okay. Like, if that's what you choose. Yeah, but that also goes back to, you know, God giving us free will. Yeah, because once again, like God does not want to force you all to love him like he wants it to be a genuine love because you can't like if we sit here and like are seen as pushing things on people, I cannot push Eve far enough into a relationship with Jesus. She has to choose that. So us putting things on people is not even like it's not going to change anybody's mind. But with that being said, as Christians, we have to uphold for ourselves. And so when people are like, is this a sin? And you're like, you betcha. Yeah. Like, that's what the Bible says. And so that's where people get upset that they can't do whatever they want with Christians. 
but that's just the fact. Yep. You are going to have to really look at like what you're doing and focus on yourself first before you can do anything else because you have to know what's right and wrong in the Bible. You have to read the Bible and understand what are sins. It doesn't mean that you won't commit them, like you said. No. Like you are going to commit sins, but you have to, you know, face that and be like, yes, this is a sin. I know that I did it and I'm sorry. And I'm going to try to work harder next time not to do it. But we also can't go around berating the whole world saying that you're wrong. I mean, we may know that they are wrong, but, you know, telling them that is not going to persuade them to change their mind. Or like, read it. And how did Jesus say it? You know, like say it in a way that Jesus said it and don't say it in a way that you judging them say Mm -hmm. like, well, my Lord says and he's your Lord, too. You just don't know it. Yeah, I think that's what's so important about having a relationship with Jesus is because you're becoming more like Christ the closer that you get with him. And the more you become like Christ, the more you're going to know how to word things. You're going to know what to do in certain situations because he's guiding you. He's the center of everything. Mm -hmm. That's like when we talked about like just anything in general, having a relationship with Jesus is so important because it guides your entire life. Like nothing else will go right if you do not have Jesus in the center of your heart. I mean, just look at Simon Peter. Yes. You take your eyes off Jesus, you drown. Exactly. Exactly. If you're focused on everything else outside thinking something else is more important than Jesus, then it's not going to work. You literally have to center him with your entire being because he's what makes the world go around and he's what makes everything fall into place. Mm -hmm. And once again, you'll also come to realize, it's like when we talk about fear, your fear will be cast out because you know that God has his best intentions. Like he, whatever he's got for you is his best. And so once that you have that peace in your mind and your heart, you know that he's got you and you know, he knows what's best, even if it is a no. Like, yeah. he's got you and he's going to take you a different direction. Ask at least three times. Yeah. Ask, seek, not. <laughs> Once again. <laughs> yeah. But there is just that, I feel like, too, the entitlement of like, oh, ask and I shall receive. Like, no, that's not exactly what he means. Because he goes on to explain that, like, if you're a father and your kids ask for something, you're going to want to give it to them. But. If it's bad for them, you're not going to give it to them. Exactly. So don't think that Jesus is just a little genie in the bottle that you can rub and have him pop out and do whatever you want, because that's not what he was for. He's here to be our shepherd and our guardian, and he's here to take care of us. And then he came and he brought himself down to experience a life yeah, and to die the most brutal way that he could so that we could spend forever with him. Like God made us. And made this earth for us to get to spend forever with him, right? And then we twisted it and we got like, we had sin. And so he was like, no, I still love them enough that I'm going to send my son. So God sacrificed Jesus. Yeah. God sacrificed Jesus so that he could have us with him, like the ones that choose to be with him. I think it's also really important to know, like within the Easter story, that God was separated from Jesus for the first time ever when he descended into hell. Like there's a separation between Jesus and God. And that's when Jesus felt every sin because Jesus was perfect. Mm-hmm. And because, because Jesus was perfect, it's because he had God and God could not be imperfect. So when Jesus was feeling all these sins and taking on all these sins, God had to be separated from him. And I think somewhere in the Bible, I'll have to look. It's like the tombs and stuff shaking and it's like god like showing his anger mm-hmm. to like in his upset like being upset i read that in a book last year and i'm trying to find exactly where 
it says. Oh, here's the, the ground day. began to shake. Yeah, the death of Jesus. So it says, at noon, darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. About three o'clock, Jesus called out with a voice, Eli, Eli, Elima, Sabathity, which means my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Some of the bystanders misunderstood and thought he was calling for the prophet Elijah. One of them ran up and filled a sponge with sour wine, holding it up to him on a red stick so he could drink it. But the the rest, the rest said, wait, let's see whether Elijah comes to save him. Then Jesus shouted again, and it released his spirit. At that moment, a curtain front in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in, in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, rocks split apart, and tombs opened. The bodies of the man, many godly men and women who had died were raised from the dead, and they left the cemetery after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city of Jerusalem and appeared to many people. I did not know that. That's crazy. Yeah, because I also just think that people are like, oh, yeah, cool story, but it's fiction. Y'all think about the lunatics that barely have a platform now with social media or like the people that get so famous with social media. Our entire timeline is based off of Jesus. Yeah, Before Christ. And Anno Domini means year of our Lord. Mm -hmm. Yep. Like, he was just, like, one man who only had his ministry for three years. He was resurrected, and that's the only thing that could explain how he is the most dominant, like, religion in the world and how time is based off of him. Like, there's just, I don't know how people don't get it. Just, I don't either. They think it's, they think it's, you know. Just make believe. Just for fun. Just because we had to come up with a religion for people to believe. But like, how is it the same one? And how is it the one that had over 300 and something prophecies that fulfilled? All okay, true. Yeah. It's of, crazy. It is really crazy. But like we talked about, you know, two weeks ago with, when the lady was here, so many people believe in like the the weirdest things like that girl literally thought she was an alien and yeah. coming to save our earth like how is that really believable but this is not but you don't want to believe that the son of god came to save us from sin yeah and i mean i know like i just know that he's real like from personal experience it's like mm -hmm. he literally brought me out from my deepest times and has brought me to the light like i know he's done the same for you and so many other people it's like if you can feel it and you can see it places and then you can see the logic behind it. I don't know what I'm missing. Like, I think that's what's so cool, too, about, like, growing in your faith is because when you first, you know, you hit that rock bottom moment, you're like, there's no way up from here. And then you meet Jesus and you, you know, you start living in the light and you start seeing what he has to offer for you. You really open your eyes and see all the goodness around you. And then you're consumed by it and you want to do good and you want to live for him. And then you start reading the Gospels and the Bible, and you're like, holy cow, like, everything in this book applies to my life now. And it's like, okay, like, he's 100% real, and I know he's got my life. Like, mm -hmm. I can fully surrender over it to him because I know he's got his best interest in mind for me. And that's what's so hard is because if we don't have that relationship with him, fear is going to, you know, build up, and we're not going to want to trust him. Because we don't have that intimate connection with him. Doesn't mean it's not hard to do so because I struggle with it and you struggle with it. But yeah, if you don't have that relationship with him, it's going to be 10 times harder. I think it's also important to understand that like 
that first feeling that you feel when you're saved and it's just like groundbreaking, like that's not it every day. Right. Like every day is going to be a different day. And like she was saying about like how you see the good, whenever you get in your word, you'll start to see the bad. Like I was saying, like you see the goat and you see the sheep, like you start to make connections and you're like for every positive, there's a negative, you know, it's like the opposite. For every positive, there's an equal and opposite reaction. Like I will say too, um, even though you will start to see the good, you yourself will feel dirty. Like you will just start recognizing your own sin in your life. And you're Which like, is a good thing. It is a good thing. It is a good thing because then you can repent and turn away from it. But you will feel like you will almost think like the slightest thing. You will notice the slightest sins in your life because you're like, ooh, I probably shouldn't have done that. I probably shouldn't have said that. Like, should I even be listening to this, watching this movie? Like you, you question everything because you're like, is this glorifying God? Is this what I need to be doing right now? Which is a great thing. Like, it's a great thing you recognize that. Yes, it's a great thing to recognize, but it makes you feel not as good as whenever you're like, well, Jesus saved me because right yeah. then it's like, I'm on top of the world. I haven't sinned yet. And like, <laughs> it's just, yes, it is, you do go through that, through that process every time you hit rock bottom, you, you'll have a high for Jesus. And, and then you're upset because you're like, why, Jesus, come here. And yeah. that's when I just like, I'm like, Holy Spirit, I miss you. Come spend time with me. I know. It's, it's hard, though. But I like I don't I wouldn't want anyone to get disturbed discouraged like if you do have a relationship with Jesus and you're feeling stagnant right now like this is not to it's not for nothing like it's gonna make you stronger in the end and like you're always gonna keep building on your foundation like you you know you had to start somewhere and you built up and you built up even more so this if you feel like it's a setback per se it's not really a setback it's something to push you forward yeah it, and I just feel like there's power in the name of Jesus and there's power in the name of the Holy Spirit. So like when you're in a dark pit and you're feeling like you haven't felt the Holy Spirit, I like to say it out loud. I would literally be like, Holy Spirit, come fill me. And like, I'm telling you, he appears because he's not gonna just not listen. Like he's gonna, he wants to spend as much time with you as he can. Absolutely. I think it's important to realize like just how how good he is. And this is why this story is so important. Is because it just shows how powerful the name of Jesus is. And I'm, I'm going to read a little bit of part of like the burial and, you know, the garden next day. And then we're going to get into the, re- um, you know, him rising from the dead, the resurrection. So the burial of Jesus is, um, it's Matthew 27, verse 57. And it says, as evening approached, Joseph, a rich man from Arimathea, who had become a follower of Jesus, went to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. And Pilate issued an order to release it to him. Joseph took the body and wrapped it in a long sheet of clean linen cloth, and he placed it in his own in his own new tomb, which had been carved out of rock. And then he rolled some a great stone across the entrance and left. Both Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were sitting across from the tomb and watching. I think it's important too that we notice that you know Mary Magdalene was his first. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked about that on the shame episode. Yeah, his first um, your witness. Call. Yeah, and then his oh yeah yeah yeah, and now she's his first witness to you know seeing him resurrected and so we'll keep reading the next day on the sabbath the leading priests and pharisees went to see Pilate. they told him sir we remember that the deceiver once said while he was still alive after three days i will rise from the dead so we request that you seal the tomb until the third day 
This will prevent his disciples from coming and stealing his body and then telling everyone he was raised from the dead. Which they are trying to be crafty about it, but that just further proves Jesus because if they would have left the tomb open, the people could have been like, oh, they just stole his body. Yeah, they just like, it's, they were worried about it. Like, it's subconsciously they knew it was true because they were worried. They were still worried about Jesus after he was dead. Mm -hmm. They knew it was true in their hearts. They just couldn't. And that's like how the scripture says that like deep down, everyone knows God. Yeah. Everyone knows God's real and everyone knows it. And that's why you feel like you can't like you feel like even if you're not a believer, I feel like you still close your mouth and like feel like you know that things are wrong or you're just like you feel you feel it yeah like, deep, you know. deep down we all know the truth it's just fact that you know sometimes we just don't want to recognize it yeah. and exactly. it's really hard as that we do that at, like every day i feel like sometimes like even if jesus is putting something on my heart like i know that's what i'm supposed to do but i just don't want to do mm-hmm. it <laughs> but um we'll get back to reading on i think it's Matthew 64. Okay, so yeah. So we request that you steal the tomb until the third day. This will prevent his disciples from coming and stealing his body and then everyone and telling everyone he would be raised from the dead. Pilate replied, take the guards and secure it best you can. So they sealed the tomb and posted guards to protect it. Once again, they went through all of that to make sure that Jesus would not come out of this stone. After the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the woman, do not be afraid for I know that you're looking for Jesus who is crucified. He is not here. He has risen just as he said, come and see and place, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the woman hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Can you imagine? I do like the fact like, also how the angel said, do not be afraid to them. Because, like, how crazy would that be to, like, see an angel mm-hmm. and, like, knowing Jesus is not there anymore? It's just it's just crazy. A lot of emotions were felt all through these days. And so we can read a little bit into, because I think we're about done with Matthew, honestly. Yeah, I think actually this is... The last, oh, this is so sad. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded. And surely I am with you always and to the very end of the age. Whoa. And there was 11 disciples because Judas and killed himself. Yeah. He, with his shame, his sadness overwhelmed them. Crazy. Such an amazing story that, like, if you ever have time to, like, fully read it on your own, 
and like compare each one of the gospels too, because they all have different things and, you know, all have different details. I think Matthew is very detailed. Um, Matthew detailed what? <laughs> but um, it's really cool to see the different perspectives on the gospels. Yeah. I think I'm going to do that at some point because I know they're all a little different and they all, you know, say a little different things, but they also say the same things as well. Mm-hmm. Which is really cool. The important too. things, yeah. <laughs> all the important things are the same, and I think that's really cool that you have different, um, four different accounts of the same thing. Yeah, like a, and a, then a lifetime full of mm-hmm. the same things. It's absolutely crazy. Um, I just think that we need to remember going into this Easter season, like what we just need to be reminded about. to. Have your mind open and don't just go in there because it's Sunday and you have to go there. Listen to the story. Think about why you're there. Think about why you're alive. Think about what you need to do with your life and whose life it is. Like, we're not here for us. Like, Jesus put us here and we're only supposed to worship him. And that's our life's mission. Yep, exactly. We, it's not It's not for us. It's us to spread Jesus's love and live for him. Yes, he gives us great things in life. But ultimately, ultimately at the end of the day, we're here for him and we're here to please him. So his will is what it's going to be. And I think that's so important. And that's why this Easter story is so important. So yes, so please just go in, you know, this Sunday remembering who died for you and what he endured and, you know, all the things. We love you guys. You're my precious little rubies. <laughs>